This is Shakira Lane from Chicago, and this WBEZ podcast is made possible with the support of listeners like me. Send WBEZ some love by making a donation online at WBEZ.org. Thanks. Who's the what is going to be when? Where, where do I? Why is it called? How many? Besides the most. How many people? I was wondering. How much? When are we going to get our? What is the what? <laughs> You're listening to the Curious City Podcast from WBEZ Chicago. You ask the questions, we answer them together. Modern day amusement parks may not be your thing. Towering knots of bended steel designed to make you vomit. 3D rides that are more real than reality. And of course, long lines, screaming kids, and hot pavement that reeks of spilled Cokes and ice cream. But old amusement parks, they're a little more tame, more genteel, right? Well, maybe not. We got a question about an old Chicago amusement park near and dear to some, and the cause of nightmares for others. WBEZ's Shannon Heffernan takes us back there. When Ross Brote moved to Roscoe Village recently, he started hearing about an old amusement park that used to be in the area. A bar had a mural of the park, and he saw old pictures at a thrift store. It got him curious. You can ask around, but you never really get a full answer. It turns out Ross stumbled onto a Chicago icon, Riverview Amusement Park, opened in 1904 and closed in 1967. The most interesting part about it is it seemed a little creepy and strange, and I wanted to know more about it. We took that as a challenge. We found a ton of stories from the park. You can hear many of them on our interactive map at wbez.org. But today, we focus on two rides that get at some of the stranger aspects that Ross mentioned. One ride was called the African Dip. We'll hear about that in a minute. Let's start off at the park's entrance, where the giant face of Aladdin's castle dared visitors to enter the fantastical funhouse. Chuck Vladachik starts us off. You know, in Aladdin's castle, when you started walking up the stairs, about the fourth or fifth stair up was a big air hose where a guy sat there and operated the air hoses to blow the ladies' skirts up as they negotiated the stairs. To the cheers of the 400 guys that were standing in front of the, the, the fence in front of Aladdin's castle, there was always a crowd there. In the funhouse, you never know what's going to be there until you get to it. It was kind of like the things would jump out at you and flash by you, you know, and you'd go, ah, it was so scary. And it kind of was. And um, you walked in and there were hallways with mirrors. So as you walked through, you would see your image change. You would be 500 pounds and you would be maybe four feet tall. And then when you got to another set of mirrors, your body would be elongated and very skinny. You know, there's no reference point to being surrounded by all these images of yourself. I know one, one distinctive part of it was when these little, like, hairy things would come down and they would touch on your head, so you would feel like it was spiders. And I remember my wife telling me that she screamed so much when she was in there, they had to turn the lights on and usher everybody out. There were all these like tilted floors and I remember my father standing on the other side of that section and trying to get me to walk across and me being really really scared. 
And I think in hindsight, perhaps my father was enjoying watching how I reacted to it. Hmm, gives me a new insight into my father. Were you to approach me on the street and you asked me, gosh, do you remember Riverview? Certainly I do. And it evokes pleasant memories as a young guy. But my mind would always come back to this cage. There were white guys on the one side and the black men were in cages. As long as I can remember, they always had black fellows sitting on these benches above these dumb tanks. And if you hit this target, the guy in the tank would fall in the water. And for a couple of years, they called it the African dip. And before that, uh, dunk the N-word. No, I saw that, and as a kid, I, I was kind of ashamed of that, you know? I mean, it was something I was not interested in. And the other thing is, I didn't see anybody else that was African-American throwing the ball. During that time, you know, we're talking about in the 50s, that was when everything was started changing. There are those of us who grew up watching uh, tapes from all these riots in the streets. You know, we had Emmett Till was killed. Things were changing in Chicago. And to some extent, this person represented what they feared, along with those people who just did it for fun. And I clearly remember participating. I mean, I fancied myself as a baseball player and my very close friend. We were both so very accurate at at knocking the guy into the water. Chicago uh, in the 1950s uh, had some serious issues about race. So... I know my parents would talk about it, and they hated that that guy was doing that, whoever uh, was performing. But on the other hand, they recognized that jobs were tough to come by, and uh, the guys who did that got paid. If, if, if I could have got the job, I'd want to be in there myself, you know, and make people throw and mess with, mess with their heads so that they would miss. And, and the guys, they, they loved their job, you know, because they were heckling people. I know my uncle was a little on the heavy side, and they go, hey, buddy. Hey, fatty. Man, you're carrying load. You better not stop at the beer garden. Don't get no hammer. Oh, hey, hey, skinny. But that was to encourage white people to get ag- angry at them and <laughs> throw the ball. Of course, he, he, that is the black man, had to be very careful not to go over this imaginary line where the white guy would wait for him after his shift was over and beat the crap out of him or worse. I remember this couple of guys just throwing the ball at the cage, which I couldn't quite, you know, calculate. It's the target, man. You're missing the target. There was much of the N-word flying. It was, I realized, something wrong here, something wrong here. But this same friend and I, before he died, he and I uh, talked about it. And I would always say, you know, we were just, you know, participating. He said, yeah, but we should have been smarter than that. Well, I mean, look at it like this. I mean, here you're talking to somebody who was a kid there at the time. I was having fun. So whatever negative things are going on, if you, a black person in America during the 50s and the 40s or whatever, that was the norm. That was normal stuff. That was America. That was Tazama's son. We also heard from Richard Steele, Chuck Vladachik, Gerald Stein, Roxanne Laux, Pomone Rami, and Paul, who didn't want us to use his last name. For WBEZ, I'm Shannon Heffernan.
Now that story probably warmed up your imagination. And if you want to see how close your brain got to the actual place, head over to wbez.org slash Curious City. Shannon and our multimedia producer, Logan Jaffe, put together a really, really cool interactive experience. You can see a map of the old park with home videos of attractions, including the Tunnel of Love and the Freak Show. Speaking of which, did you watch the Bozo Show as a kid? Well, Wizzo... He used to run the freak show at Riverview, and you you just have to check it out. Thanks to the folks at Ziga, that's Z-E-E-G-A, who made the rad tool we use to make that interactive experience. Check them out, too, and you can make your own over at Ziga.org. Thanks for listening. Now go wash your hands. Curious City is produced by WBEZ Chicago Public Media, Ziga and AIR, the Association of Independence and Radio. Our senior producer is Jennifer Brandell, Sean Ali edits the series, and Logan Jaffe is our multimedia intern. The Curious City podcast is mixed by Sarah Liu, with help from Mickey Capper and editing oversight by Andrew Gill. You can subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or listen to our back catalog in SoundCloud. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at WBEZ Curious City. Lead financial support for Curious City comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Chicago Public Media creates award-winning content about the issues that affect our community, our nation, and our world. More information is available at chicagopublicmedia.org. Thanks for listening. Catch you next week.